Welcome back, everybody. We have the usual bunch of crazies sitting here in the uh, in the asylum. We are on episode twelve of your podcast, and joining us here today is the usual bunch. On my left, Stephen Camshaft. Hello, everyone. Brent, go. <laughs> Brent Roberts, symmetric on the forums, voice or reason. <laughs> this is Adam says hi. Variation on the forums. And, and you know what? What's so nice about that is that, you know, I, I've talked to people that have listened to these podcasts, and they don't necessarily realize that we're not sitting in the room together. Uh, truth be told, these are, these are actually recorded months apart. So it works out well. Thanks, guys, for putting in your points and uh, reading through the scripts. That's fantastic. Um, to kick things off, I think we've got to go back and look at a few games that we've reviewed recently. Uh, Symmetric, you've definitely been busy. Busy, yes. And let's start at the top, the cream of the crop, Battle LA. Well, if we were talking cream of the crop, then Battle LA is definitely not it. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I mean, I, Battle LA is your, it's a shooter game which had potential, but, failed miserably it's it the play control is pathetic the story is incredibly short and it's done in a very like cartoon cutaway kind of uh cutscene and yeah the game itself is actually really really poor i would not recommend it to anyone ever was now did you see the movie battle la no no i did not um, maybe it'll help. Right. <laughs> maybe it'll help. Well, here's here's one of the problems I had. Okay, in Battle LA, if you're going out and you're supposed to be killing these aliens, okay, well, you shoot an alien in the head. Normally, you would think, hey, a headshot kills a guy. It does it in every other first-person shooter game from the arcade to retail title. So why not this? Well, no, you're wrong. It doesn't kill them. And apparently, when the aliens move, they are invincible. Because you can unload seven or eight rounds with a sniper rifle, and he'll still be there, yeah, moving I, around. I definitely heard there was collision detection issues, but uh, being true to the movie, the only way to kill the aliens in the movie is just left of where a human heart is. So, there's there's one. So of even those. that's so, messed up in the game. Right. So, so let me get this straight. <laughs> a game based on a movie wasn't good? <laughs> Oh, no, surprise there. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, what do you mean? The Super Mario movie was on. <laughs> now, that, no, was, yeah, that was a movie, a, that was a movie the based on a game. That was another... Uh, the other way around. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but definitely avoid Battle LA. Definitely save your Microsoft points. Either that, or if you're going to buy it, just give the points to me. Yeah. <laughs> well just... said. We're going to throw them away anyway. Exactly. All right, variation. Night Contact. Uh, nice contract. Um, I'll just I'll just leave it with don't even look at it. It's ow. It's, I smell something stinky. It's a glorified escort mission, and the AI is so broken that it's frustrating start to finish. The uh, the girl that you have to constantly save and stuff like that isn't smart enough to move out of way of attacks. <laughs> will stand in lava, and you have to constantly pick <laughs> lava's bad. I dated her. I'm I'm telling you. Oh man, it's <laughs> those lava standing women dump them. <laughs> it's done by the same guys that did that review you did, Ken. Um, the Majin or oh, whatever. Majin in the Forbidden Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, so it's that with a more combat element to it. Right. But the combat isn't even that great either. So there's there's really no redeeming qualities. Uh, 
bad voice acting, a decent story, but you're no one's going to finish the game. It's I can't see someone sitting through that. There's nothing to push it forward. No, absolutely not. That's There's uh, parts in levels that you have to get to the end of the level, but you don't know where to go, and it's not always linear. So sometimes you can get lost while you know carrying the chick that you know is constantly dying. It's <laughs> just yeah, right. <laughs> it actually it reminds me of dating in high school. I was uh, <laughs> constantly racing down. We don't want to hear about your dating team, dude. We don't. Um, but anyway, um, moving on. Let's uh, get into some good news, Sim. Uh, tell us about Swarm. Well, then why did you want to get into good news and talk about that <laughs> looking game? Looking for something good here. Come on. Well, Swarm Swarm is just your basic obstacle game where you start at one point and you have to get to the other point. There are different obstacles and whatnot in in your way. Well, the thing is, is that this is all supposed to be about us, an alien survival, and apparently all the aliens have to trust with their survival are the dumbest, most incompetent little blue creatures. They look like Smurf pill. They really do. Smurf poo with eyes. I'll, That's... I'll bet you that they're smarter than the chicken mice contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, it's, it's, it's almost like they're like lemmings. It's it's like trying to control a bunch of incompetent lemming-type Smurf poo eyeball blue creatures. It, it's pathetic. It, it is like, wow. That's a Canadian-built like, game. That's the... That's and get this. Speaking of Canadian, right, with Swarm... Whoa, 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 whoa. It won. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go ahead. It won $300,000 in a contest. And the Canadian Voting Bureau said, yeah, we vote Swarm as the winner. Here's 300 extra grand to go ahead and further develop your product wow. before it gets released. And this is what we get. Blue stupid Smurf poo. <laughs> like you've really got to tell me you're standing up when you're doing these podcasts, right? Because you're so angry. Animated. I'm, I'm 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 mad. Yeah, I'm. I'm mad. <laughs> it's like three hundred grand. Like I'm sorry. Like what could you do with three hundred thousand dollars? They should have made it a connect game. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Just, God. just for symmetric. All right. Well, we'll send an ambulance over if you flop that's, over. That's right. Thank you. Well, just just to prove to all of our listeners that we do relatively know what we're doing around here, um, let's move off of some of these wonderful winning games. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Full House Poker. Now I, I know a few of us here have been able to get on and play a, a couple of hands of Full House Poker. I had the opportunity to review it and I, and I really enjoyed it. It was a it was a nice use of the uh, Xbox Live avatar system. Nice to actually have some interaction. I would have liked the opportunity to um, bluff a little bit more with some of the antics and such, but uh, so be it. I, I'm still drawn back to it, so I've relatively enjoyed it. Uh, Symmetric, I saw you on there. Oh, I'm yeah, that's my latest crack. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm- I'm so hooked on the Full House Poker. It's great. Like the Texas Heat, the live shows, yeah. and the fact that you can even set up your own three-table tournaments. Yeah. So there's a lot of innovations in that game that I thought were really well. The only thing that I didn't like about it is the fact that you can't get Microsoft points like you could in 1 versus 100. I agree that the only lack really is the actual real sense of winning. I mean... Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, there's no payout. Right. There's... 
There is none. It's like, okay, great. You win imaginary chips, which you cannot convert into points or cash, and you have experience, which does nothing to right. level your person I up. I would have even taken a, a Charlie Sheen snapshot. Really? <laughs> Just Wait, something to give me that. Tickets to his new show. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, how is it different from the poker game they released when I think the 360 first came out, which was mediocre at best? But well, what it, was it called again? Honestly, Texas Hold'em I, I or something? Don't... I think we have Texas, Texas Hold'em. Hold'em. Well, I mean, yeah. poker is poker, right? Is right. <laughs> At the end of the day, from that one, I guess. Honestly, I I didn't get the opportunity to play it. I did see it a little bit, and I've read a little bit about it. The biggest difference is how it's played. It's not just cards slapping down in front of you. Okay. There is actual interaction with the, the other characters. Um, That's good. Especially when you're doing again this this Texas Heat battle online. Uh, you've got 10 random strangers at your table, and it's all really based on how much you can uh, bluff a little bit and, you know, knowing when to oh. fold. And <laughs> now, I did see... I smell like Kenny Rogers' song coming on. Gotta know when to hold. <laughs> okay, stop there. Uh, <laughs> symmetric, I saw it. You had a million-dollar hand. Yes, yes, I did. I actually have had a couple of million-dollar hands, which absolutely means nothing. <laughs> No wonder he wants to convert this into Microsoft <laughs> yeah, Exactly, right? This is, I want to buy a car. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Symmetric, give us some more good news. Crisis. Well, finally, thank God we can talk about something good now besides this. All right, Crisis 2, out now on the 360. Um, Hands down, as of right now, I can easily say best first-person shooter on the 360. Wow. Hands down. It's got the best graphics of any first-person shooter that you'll find right now on the 360. Them it's got fighting words, you know that. Eh? Oh, I'll easily no, back ahead. it up. The uh, <laughs> the physics in Crisis 2 are the best that you'll ever find so far on a 360 console. Let's see what else. The multiplayer itself is amazing because the people at Crytek took the best aspects of Battlefield, Halo, and Call of Duty. They took the best of everything and then combined it all into one multiplayer. And so not only do you have experience that you get from leveling up and everything, but you can unlock new weapons, new uh, accessories, attachments, so on and so forth. So it's the basic progressive system that you see that a lot of people have come to like from the Call of Duty series and then unlocking new weapons from the Battlefield series. And the levels are huge. And when I say huge, they are absolutely massive in size, which is great because... It gives you so many other options to just go back and forth instead of like from point A to point B, okay, we meet in the middle and kill each other. Well, this one is instead of going from point A to point B, meet in the middle, you can go off to the sides, you can go down below, you can go up above on top of buildings. I mean, it's amazing. There's everything to do. And I will say this, there is a learning curve. So Crisis 2 is not a game that's very easy to just pick up and play. However, though, once you master the learning curve, everything else is a piece of cake. Everything else is a piece of cake. And right now, I've been seeing videos on upcoming like Battlefield 3 and stuff like that. And that so far to me is going to be the only game that I can see from the first person point of view, first person shooter game, that can compete with Crisis 2. But who knows? Hopefully we'll see what happens. But as of right now, Crisis 2 definitely takes hands down winner over... Ah, uh, Call of Duty, Halo, Battlefield, the whole nine yards. You know, you know, when it comes to uh, gaming, I'm I'm all about the explosions, of course, but I'm also a big fan of the story-driven model. How does Crisis 2 pick up from the first game and yet still hold its own? 
Well, I don't want to spoil too much about the story, but for those who haven't played Crisis One, it pretty much is a tale of troopers going in. Uh, they just the something happens. I don't want to ruin the story if you haven't seen it yet. But then you have to regroup with your team and then extract scientists, and you have to go through this whole ordeal, right? Well, anyways, Crisis Two story picks up after that, and apparently in Crisis One we went and fought the aliens. In Crisis Two, the aliens come to us. So this picks up where you actually are a member of a new recon team, and you go in and you meet one of the old members. And that's about the only spoiler I'm going to give you. And yeah, the rest of the story is dramatic. I'll say that. There's never a point in time when you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, "Wow, this story is really, really poor," because it's not. Everything is very action-oriented, very action-driven. But at the same point in time, you can also go through the entire levels without firing a single round. So it all depends on how you want to play the game, and that's what makes it so great. I mean, there was one scene in Crisis Two where you are trying to evac on a Humvee, and you see this building that you just wired the charges and were setting it to blow. Well, you see this couple who's wounded, and they're begging you to stop the Humvee so that they can get on board and get to safety. While you're sitting there trying to reach for them and everything like that, and then when that happens, you see an entire skyscraper in New York City implode and come crash. It's it's amazing. Every single aspect of that game just blew me away. All right, well let's let's hear from the other guys, regardless of whether or not you've played the game. Even you know your thoughts on uh, how this can fit in with some of the other first-person shooters out there, Adam. Uh, in like relation to Crisis, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I tried the the multiplayer demo and stuff. It didn't it didn't hit with me. I played the first one a bit, but I didn't get big into it. It felt very Call of Duty ish. I mean, you've, you're you're getting your kills, you're getting your kill streaks, you're calling in your choppers. Yeah, you have the suit, and the suit stuff is really cool. But I don't know. It just I didn't get into it. But I know that the the demo was very limited. It didn't have all the powers and all the perks and stuff like that. Right. Right. So. I well, wish they would have done a single-player demo, to be honest, because that's what I would be playing it for. Right. Absolutely. Steven, what would you like to see new in a, a first-person shooter to really re-energize everything? Jetpack. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? First-person shooters, It's to me, it's, it's all about the story. That's It boils down to that for me nowadays. Back in whatever, it was all like, I need to jump. Okay, the right. game is provided jump later, you know. And now it's just to the point where story, if the story is good and keeps me engaged, they're going to do whatever, you know. But yeah. you know what I wish they would do across all first-person shooters is pay attention to the multiplayer a lot more. Because I know a lot of games, <laughs> whether it's Call of Duty, Homefront, whatever, they tend to crank out the multiplayer and it suffers out there. You know, well, not, and, and not all games need the multiplayer either. I mean, look how well, bad for Dead Space 2 was. Right, I well, agree, Adam. There's some games that just don't merit it. I totally agree. Like, there's some games, it needs to be there, like Call of Duty. But there's games like first-person shooters that are totally story-driven. You're like, well, you don't need more than this, really. Yeah. You know, to build, talk, Dead Space. Yeah, to build on what Var's saying, I mean, uh, you take even a game like Call of Duty. Imagine what that game would be like with all those resources that are spent on multiplayer put into a bigger or more 
grandiose uh, first-person player experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really something to consider. See, and I'm kind of getting that feeling. I know I shouldn't, but with the Battlefield 3 stuff they've been showing, I'm kind of disappointed there's a campaign because that's not why you're playing Battlefield. Yes, right. it looks good. Yes, I'm going to play it, but just like what you said, I wish they would focus on one thing that they do really well, which is what it's known for. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, first-person shooters, they, uh, they have their work cut out for them because... They've been around for such a long time, and there's, you know, there's so much that's been done, and they got to keep pushing forward, right? So I really think that uh, they've got the work cut out for them. Like I was reading an article with uh, John Carmack, an interview, uh, in official Xbox magazine on what what first-person shooters need to do, and they basically, he was saying, well, he's all about the graphics, he's like 60 frames per second, better gaming experience, right? You know. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting thing, you know, in his perspective. Yep, so I, sure. I don't know. Like Rage, uh, I was with Brent at E3 last year. That was an amazing looking game, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely and phenomenal. They're, they're doing some unique stuff there, which I'm really hoping to see uh, at this year's E3, how far they've come. But those guys have the work cut out for them, especially with uh, first-person shooters in life. Well, it's like, have you seen the, the news on Prey 2? I don't know if you played no. the first Prey, but it, Prey was awesome because it was different. It was a shooter, but you had these portals. You were walking on the ceiling. You were like it was very different. And now they've announced that they're getting rid of the portals and they're getting rid of all that stuff that made it a unique game. So, yay, we're getting another gun, uh, shooter Generic. Game that's just shooting. Right. Oh, uh, that's too bad because that kind of stuff you, I, I like. You know, you guys ever play the game? I forget what it's called. I think it was on the original Xbox. You can stop time. I think it's called Time Shift or something like that. Yeah, where yeah you it's can, a 360 you can, title. Where you Links? can stop and then you can... No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Basically where you could shoot a guy in the air and then you can jump on him and then jump on a roof of the, fro- the, the frozen in time body that was, you know, being hurled in the air and you can stop it, jump on them, you know. And I thought that was a really unique approach to a first-person shooter. You know, I looked at that and I was like, ah, oh, cool, you know. Well, well so, keeping, uh, keeping innovation in gaming in mind, uh, Stephen, you've got an opportunity coming up. You're going to travel to San Francisco, mm-hmm. look at the new uh, MX versus ATV. They're, they're doing something interesting with their pricing. Why don't you uh, kind of break that down a little yeah, bit for us? Uh, basically, uh, what they're doing, instead of being a $60 game, which traditionally those motocross games have always been $60. Almost every price game range. now, you, you assume Well, that's exactly yeah, exactly. So what they're doing is this time around, they're putting the price point at $40 and they're gambling to continue putting out DLC over the course of a year or two or how long the next one comes along, which is probably a two year dev cycle, is they're going to hopefully, and then they're telling people and say, look, you make your motocross game the way you want. You want to download tracks, you want to download gear, you want to download this or that, you make it your game. So give me an example one person could pay 40 bucks for the game the next person will pay 150 dollars because they bought all that dlc or whatever uh depending right, so, on how so, so i don't know if it'll work out the wash you know so the opportunity is there for the casual gamer or the person that doesn't know if they they're interested in a in a motocross game are going to be able to not necessarily throw all their money after one game well that's exactly it so i don't know it's a big gamble it's huge 
no other game has ever done on the three with DLC availability, I guess, this type of gamble where okay, we'll sell games at forty bucks, but we're hoping the average Joe or the average gamer of motocross or whatever will spend another forty or more or right. twenty or whatever they they get them over that hump. And I'm thinking down the road, if this becomes a success, I don't know if people have looked in their crystal balls. And, oh, no, that's not going to work. But there's that it seems to be very divided as far as people think it's going to work and people that are like, no, it's going to flop. Well, it's all it's all going to depend on how they deliver it. If if you buy the MX game and I have to spend a dollar to change my bike to green. Right. Then. Oh, I'm that's not, right. If I have to spend a dollar to get a perk on my gun on the next Call of Duty, not a chance. It's, it's, it's got to be compelling DLC or an expansion or something. It's got to improve the experience, not just well, the look. Well, basically, THQ's done this with wrestling, not that way particularly, but what they've done is I'm hoping they're going to adopt a bit what they've learned in the past and what hopefully going to throw in the future is that what they've done with wrestling, for example, is that they've sold a premium all-you-can-eat buffet of DLC uh, package and then They've sold more than nickel and dime, okay, uh, this, you know, so many Microsoft points and that or whatever. So I'm hoping they're going to let people that want to get everything, buy everything. And the people that just want, okay, I just want that track, that gear, that whatever sticker pack on the bike or whatever it is, uh, stuff that they're going to offer, that'll be great. So in the past, uh, I'm trying to, I'm hoping basically they're going to bank on the, the tracks and they're going to keep it fresh every month for like a year so people can race new tracks uh, new content on a regular basis keep that racing online right uh, I, I, th- I think the opportunity is fantastic uh, and I don't know if I'm showing my age here or not but has it occurred to anybody that we're all going wow $40 that's inexpensive for a game has that hit anybody else <laughs> yeah it has for me yeah I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, me and Brent are different, so <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and actually, you guys buy collector editions of. We, we're gonna discuss that right now. <laughs> um, uh, uh, many of the big games have come out with some wonderful little collector's editions. None that I've picked up, but they're out there. Cam, uh, let's let Var and and Sim kind of give us their opinion. opinion. <laughs> As the collection aficionados that they are, please justify to me a three hundred dollar video game. <laughs> you want to take no, this one? No, it's it's a three hundred dollar car with a free video game. Okay, now, now clarify that. Not a car. It's an car. RC vehicle. It's an RC vehicle. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So it's a, like a pro grade. You know what? What people actually use. So this Who is race this is RC not, cars. It's not yeah. models sitting on a desk that's gonna collect dust. It's we'll probably sit in the box and collect <laughs> dust. Exactly. <laughs> you know I can't laugh too much. If you guys were ever in this uh, computer room, mine, you'd uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd kind of laugh at me too. But um, so what? What's the appeal with some of these collectors' editions? And do you see more games kind of picking up on these uh, higher end? Of course, delivering a higher-end product, but at that you know increased price point. See, it's hit, it's very hit or miss. Some have great you know extra goodies, 
And then you have games like Marvel Capcom where you spent an extra 10, 20 bucks and it was a steel case with one extra DLC character. I mean, it's just... Well, no, you got you got two, but you couldn't even download them right yeah. away. You had to wait a month yeah. for them to be released, and then you get your download code for it. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So it it goes both ways. There's there's some that are definitely worth it, and some that you pay the premium for, and then there's others that I buy it anyways, but I'm very disappointed with it. So. Right. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I usually buy my collector's editions it, depending on what they offer. If they're like, well, you get a free weapon or you get a free costume or, you know, an extra bonus level. To me, that kind of limits and lessens the value of collector's editions. But when you're talking like, for example, the Halo Reach thing, you get the statue with with other big name titles, you get a lot of a lot more. Like they had the Crisis 2 Nano Edition where you got an actual backpack modeled after the nano suit in Crisis 2. And then you also got a statue of the main character on top of a New York City taxi. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff to me is what draws me into it. But from what I've been seeing is that a lot of the collector's editions, they're trying to go... Some are going too far. Like, for example, Mortal Kombat comes out soon. Uh, there's two collector's versions. There's a regular collector's version, and then isn't it called the combat version, Adam? Collector with a K, and then tournament. Oh, the tournament. That's right. I'm sorry. Where you get another arcade fight stick. But the thing is, is that in the collector's edition, you get two bookends, which, I mean, whoop-de-doo, they're bookends. However, though, you've got on one end, Scorpion throwing his spear through a wall, and on the other side, you have it, like, impaling Sub-Zero. That'd be but sharp. You- but you don't get that in the tournament edition. Yeah. For for some reason, they're like, you know, normally with like Call of Duty, they're like, okay, yeah, sure, spend $149.99, get remote control car plus everything. But you get they... everything that's in the other editions as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Why they didn't do this for this, I have no idea. But it's when when collectors editions start splitting up, I guess would be a good word to use, and saying like, well, we'll offer this for this, and we'll offer this for that. It gets to the point where it's like, you know what? I don't like what you offer at the higher price, so you know what? I'm going to pass on paying you more money and pay you less money and get what I want. Yeah, but do you, do you really think that gamers are spending the time or, or you know, researching enough to realize what's being offered with some of these products? Or are they just going, hey, it's the more expensive one, so let's get it? Well, it depends on where they're getting it. The, right, or the it depends on the game. EB, no. The people that are going to Best Buy and Walmart have no idea. Right. But at the same, obviously, right. But at the same point in time, if you also know that you're going to be getting a collector's edition, it also helps to know what that collector's edition can do for you. Case in point, when the original Dead Space came out, there was a Dead Space, and then there was a Dead Space Limited Edition, and then there's the Dead Space Ultra Limited Edition, which was BS. Hey, no, (laughs) no, it was not. No, 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 no. But. The thing is, is that those Dead Space Ultra Limited Editions are now fetching anywhere between eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. So because it was actually limited, right to a thousand pieces. Well, the same can be said with Tales of Vesperia. Yeah. There's, you know, that was a collector's edition. It didn't sell well, so they stopped production early. So then they had to say, okay, well, whatever's out there is out there. And so now that collector's edition volume has gone up. So there comes a point in time when it's like, yeah, you get a collector's edition because you get some cool swag with it. But at the same point in time, like, 
there's going to be something that you you know sometimes you know like hey look there's only a certain number of these don't open them you know like I have a DJ Hero 2 signed by Tiesto and there's only 150 of them in the world so to me it was worth a $300 investment or some in order to secure the fact that hey you know what only 149 other people in the world can say that they have this but it's still just DJ Hero um, but well, anyway yeah, you're right. it's DJ Hero you're right <laughs> but I mean still it's the exclusivity is what we go for right okay. at least I do uh, from now Cam you're going to be able to get in on this, this as well with the collector's editions is there anything coming up or any collector's edition that I missed that I really should have picked up? Uh, Var. That you've missed or it's coming that, out? Either or. Uh, I should just definitely There's going to be a Gears 3 collector for 150 bucks, but we have no idea what's in it yet. But you're, you're saying that that's going to be good. No. Duke uh, Nukem. Yeah, Duke Nukem. The bust. Um, get the bust of Duke. I'm sorry, gotta jump in. Yeah, Duke Nukem, yes. Get just, that. just saying the words Duke Nukem and yeah. bust allows all kinds of connotations. <laughs> that, they're, they're synonymous together. Exactly. Always good. <laughs> Always good. All right, uh, Stephen, what about you? Any any thoughts on the uh, collector's editions? I'm not a fan of collector's editions myself. Right. I, not that I hate them, Uh but Duke Nukem sounds pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sounds inviting, you know. Like that's what it should be. It's actually the Balls of Steel edition. <laughs> Wait a minute, isn't that Duke Nukem? Oh, it actually Anyways. is. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> Duke Nukem's collector's edition, the Balls of Steel edition. Oh, that's just beautiful. <laughs> because that company made the pinball game Balls of Steel. Right. Now, uh, 3D Realms or whatever. So. You no, know, this is a great uh, kind of working our way in an introduction to E3. Um, myself, Cam, and Symmetric will be attending E3 on uh, those handy-dandy media passes, even though they've cut back in attendees this year. We were cutting it close, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Var isn't able to join us. Unfortunately, he's better than us. I don't know. I'm too cool for school. Right. I don't know exactly <laughs> what that is, but we should discuss it. We are going to discuss E3 further on another podcast, but let's just talk about what we're looking forward to at this point. Personally, I can say I'm just looking forward to the experience, not something I've seen before. And uh, just the thought of enjoying it with these yahoos should be interesting enough. Uh, Cam, hey, I represent that. <laughs> you represent that. Cam, what are you, uh, <laughs> what are you uh, looking forward to? The biggest one is Batman Arkham City. That For me, I really want to see that there. That's going to be one of the big... What are they, what's it going to be all about? Because I've seen all these videos and all that stuff, which is cool. But I'm anxious to see, you know, uh, what they're going to have. Uh, the other game I want to see, which I saw last year, was uh, The Hunted, uh, The Demon's Fork, mm-hmm. the co-op game from... Bethesda. Yeah, that company. <laughs> that company. I think we're yeah, that company there. That I think I've put, heard of <laughs> put out one game every three years or whatever. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever won't be released until the week uh, we're leaving. The day we're leaving, basically. Right. So uh, they're probably going to have all that there. I've yet to see, other than online videos, uh, that game. Um, and Brink. I'm actually anxious to see Brink because I saw early... Uh, where was it? Attacks, I think it was. Uh, Adam was there. Right. Uh, they had Brink there. And uh, it looked pretty good. I mean, I was relatively impressed with Brink and their Bethesda games. But uh, everybody else has got... Another Call of Duty coming out, which, of course, I'm anxious to see because of the new developer, what they're offering, and that's pretty much it for me. Right. 
What about you, uh, Symmetric? I myself am looking very forward to uh, the new Skyrim from Bethesda. I'm looking very much forward to that. Uh, in fact, you guys can probably just leave me there in the booth for the entire day. So well, there's, I'll, there's laws I'll be... and rules and regulations about <laughs> leaving you anywhere. Well, okay. Well, before we start getting into that and making that public notice, um, <laughs> the other ones I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing stuff like what uh, Cam was saying, uh, the the new Batman game, the new uh, Battlefield 3. I'm interested to seeing that. I'm interested. There's, oh, God, there's so many other titles coming out that I just, I'd like to see the new Halo. I'd like to see if they, uh, you know, with this new uh, game that's supposedly coming out this fall. You mean Lego like, Halo? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lego Halo. So I, I'd really like to see how that turns out. Um, but most importantly, though, I there, uh, not only for my for my girl Gail, but for also for Bioware. There you go with the shout outs again. Damn hey, it. you know what, dude? All I can tell you... I, hey, you sneak that, those in there. Hey, yeah, I'm he's the one that edits it, edits it, so he can't really tell him not to. <laughs> anyway, um, Adam, your perspective on, on all of these different conventions regarding gaming that, that seem to be growing exponentially every year. We've got PAX East and West now. We've got E3. We've got all kinds of smaller venues. What do you? How do you think that's playing on the gamer? Is it building things up or really just kind of making it too mainstream? No, it's good. I mean, you've, you've got E3 that your media people go to, and that's where you get all the big announcements and the big news. And then your average gamer or maybe just casual people can go to a PAX. And PAXs have, have turned into great events. They're It's really E3 without the press announcements. It's They've got all the new stuff. I mean, last year we played Gears already. Like, there's new stuff there. They You can get your hands on almost anything. And... Uh, it's great. It's a great event. You got to see Duke Nukem too last year, I think, right? Yeah. Nice. That was the first unveiling public, yep. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you don't get the big, big announcements, but they do sometimes. That'll be sometimes the first place they'll show stuff. Right. So, cool. Now, again, being this is my first E3, really is my first trip to L.A., I got to ask, is this as big a deal for the media and, and, and for gaming as it's been hyped to be? Oh, oh yes, yeah. E3, oh, yeah. dude. They let all the cards out. They let yeah. all the announcements and the secrets and for that well, year you, there. Yeah, and if you're talking about like star searching and stuff like that, yeah, you'll see celebrities and stuff. I mean, last year Billy Crystal was there. They had Michael Jackson's kid show up to the THQ booth. I mean, there's it's insane because a lot of times these celebrities are you know will get paid by these companies to go ahead and say, hey, look, present our product. Right. And they're like, yeah, it's great, you know. Well, Brent so. and I got to meet uh, Sam Witwer, which is Star Killer, right? Yep. And uh, in Smallville, he plays Doomsday, so we got to see him. That was pretty cool. We yeah. got to see the. Uh, it's a, it's always a surprise, <laughs> you know. Have I met heard. Chuck. I met Chuck. Well, uh, Zach Levy and um, Joshua Gomez, which is Morgan on the show. Chuck. I met them at a Microsoft party, so you never know, and right. it's awesome. You know, yep. that makes it cool. Var, you're you're a personality and pretty famous in your own right. Do you get a lot of people uh, asking for your autograph when you're at these things, or? Yeah, but I charge twenty bucks, so I don't really get that many. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks very much. Um, We will be back in a couple of weeks uh, with some more information. 
certainly if there's anything our listeners would like to hear, hit the forums, let us know, give us some feedback. Um, that being said, uh, let's uh, say bye, Symmetric. Bye. <laughs> well said. Uh, Cam. <laughs> Good night, guys. Var. Toodles. <laughs> I knew that song. Toodles. And uh, I am Alex1138. Thank you, everybody. And hey, stay sane, will you? <laughs> <laughs>